morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we're going to get started this morning with our Bible verse, which comes from uh, Psalms 137, and Mariana is going to read that for us now. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? All right, and Scott will uh, take off on that uh, when we turn it over to him later. Uh, speaking of the online attendance, uh, we talked a little bit about that earlier. Sandy said she was having problems, but I went in this morning and signed up uh, off of the link from the CUC newsletter and was able to sign up for both Sunday school and uh, church. So if you're experiencing problems, uh, I guess we need to figure out what, what's causing that. But I didn't have any problems this morning with it. So uh, also remember now we're moving into uh, my neighbor's pantry. Uh, if you look at the newsletter, you will see that they have changed the items that they need now for you to purchase. So there is a list both uh, in the CUC newsletter and the uh, Friday Blast. So take a look at that and to continue to support that uh, with your purchases. Also, uh, coming up this next Sunday, a week from today, is the uh, drive-through ice cream party. Somebody's got some music on. There we go. Uh, Anyway, next Sunday, August the 23rd, from 2 to 4 p.m., there will be a drive-through at the First Baptist Church. So uh, go again. There's a link from our newsletter for you to go ahead. You have to pre-purchase the tickets. Uh, I checked it out this morning. It seems to be working fine. You get... Uh, Four flavors of eight ounce each of ice cream as part of the drive-through. The prices uh, vary from fifteen to twenty-five dollars, depending on what uh, flavors you choose. And so, uh, again, that's a pre pre-purchase drive-through. And the benefits go. And, and it, of course, it goes to to the. Uh, uh, Drake House. Prayer needs. Uh, Alan Buckley's mom passed away, so please uh, keep that family in your prayers. Uh, we've uh, also have requests uh, to to keep Linda Lecky. Uh, we talked about Mary Kay. Earlier today, please keep her in your prayers. Bonnie White, and of course, uh, it's good to see Bill. Uh, we will continue to, to keep him in our prayers as he 
recovers. Continued prayers for Dick Anthony, uh, the Coonies, Shirley May, and Edna Smith. And also uh, Stan and Virginia Tomlinson. Uh, Virginia is now in hospice care, uh, and Stan's phone number is listed in the newsletter if you want to uh, to give him a call. Birthdays, Charles Skillings, August the 17th, and John Phelps, August the 18th. We have no anniversaries this week. Uh, so, uh, again, support our... Uh, our missions, the Redbirds, Ronald McDonald House, and Murphy Hart. And uh, so I think uh, this week, Pat Stamps has our prayer this morning, so I will turn it over to Pat. She may be muted. <laughs> Temporarily, there she is. Oh, there she is. Pat, you are muted, so you need to unmute. Okay, there I go. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let us pray together, please. Father, we're so thankful for all you are and do for us. Forgive us our many sins. Lord, at times we feel like we're in a foreign land with COVID-19, the economy, our age. Our families, no matter what our circumstances may be, we can have joy in your unfailing presence. We may have gray and dull days, but we thank you for helping us find that joy only in your presence. We thank you for being with Scott as he shares his gift of teaching. Father, please give Bonnie a special tune today to brighten her day as she continues to recover from surgery. We thank you for Lynn and Jim Adcock, be especially with Bill and Sandy Griffin after his heart surgery. And please be close to Mary Kay Mills in her coming weeks. Alan and Jan Berkeley in his the death of his mom. We thank you for being with Linda Leckie and the Pat Conroys and we praise you for being with Dick Anthony and Laverne and Shirley and P.D. May in their journey. We thank you for being with all of us in special ways to meet our needs that only you know. We thank you for being president, present with our nation, our president, and our Congress during this difficult time. Let us never forget the joy of your presence is in our reach. Amen. Thank you, Pat. Welcome. Scott, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, I will turn the program over to you now. Sounds good. Let me throw my screen share up. Up. Doug, you need to let me share. Make me co-host, maybe. That'd be easy. Yeah, that's probably what I'm going to have to do. Bear with me a sec.
Okay, I'm going to make you host. You'll have to pass it back to me. Okay. I can do that. There we go. So, that's the wrong screen. Y'all don't want to see that screen. You want to see this screen. There we go. Slideshow. I was playing around with where to put my slideshow. That's better. I got this great big giant monitor. And when I put the slideshow on the big monitor, um, it kind of makes it so everybody's screen becomes inty tiny and you can't see it. So, so I try not to do that. I try not to do that. Um, yeah, I don't really know where this is going to go. Um, I, Pat said it well, right? This is, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this, you know, uh, and, and a lot of people are unhappy and a lot of people are grouchy and a lot of people are trying to figure out what's what. A lot of people are trying to figure out how can we continue to be a community when we can't get together in a room and we can't get together and, and physically share with people. So those are sorts of things that we're trying to figure out. And we're trying to do it within a time when we're feeling a lot of loss around what's going on. Because I think y'all are like me and feeling beat up and beat down and worn out uncertain of the future <clears throat> uncertain of of when are we going to get back to normal are we going to get back to normal what the heck was normal and was it really where we want to get back to right there are things that we'd like to be able to just be able to go do there are things that you know it's not so bad if we let that go that was the thing that was part of our world that not having it is not so bad there are a lot of things that we've added that that will make a real difference if we continue them, uh, I think that I think that that this virtual meeting is reaching out to a lot of people who could not be with us together in person. How can we pull all of these those things together? So the big questions that we're having are, how do we get to be that that church going forward? But you know, we're still tired. We're weary. And we feel like we've been abandoned, maybe. We feel like, well, there's nobody seems to be in charge. We got a bunch of different people in charge. They're all yelling at each other. Just give it up. You know, let me just go do my thing. That's no good either. In the Bible, we find lots of texts that share feelings. So these are good topics for us to talk about when we break out into groups. Is it a helpful thing to know that someone else? is going through what you're going through, right? We listed a bunch of folks who, who, who are dealing with serious illnesses that are dealing with end of lifetimes. Is it a helpful thing to feel like there exists somebody else who has the same kind of problems that I have? For some people, it really is a comfort. For other people, it's like, that's lovely. I feel you know empathy for them, but it doesn't necessarily change my world. So there's a lot of different responses to that kind of a feeling. Well, what about when we're all being pressed down on the same thing? So you're in the middle of a natural disaster and, and the town has been hit by a hurricane. 
or, or we've got a pandemic going. When we all are going through a hardship together, is it different? Do we, do we feel differently about it? Does it help just to have somebody to listen to us complain, right? Sometimes we just need to complain. Um, does it help to have somebody who's going to understand what we're complaining about rather than just saying that we're complaining, right? Um, when we are a community before this happens, does it matter if we're suffering as a community? And when we say that we're suffering as a community, does that mean that everybody is really experiencing this the same way? You know, so looking around this Zoom screen, we're a fairly homogenous group here, right? What about the folks who are in South Atlanta that, that are stuck in their house and can't pay for their power and they're stuck inside and can't get to work and now they're worrying about being evicted and trying to get their kids back to school and all of these things. Yeah, the outside force is still the pandemic. So what are we going to do with that? Do we all have that same experience? We all have that feeling of what the heck is going on, but the details of it vary. So Judah felt this way. The nation of Judah was attacked. Was it their fault? Was it not their fault? Did they end up in a bad spot through bad leadership, through bad behavior? That's kind of neither here nor there. It was a long time coming, but they eventually were beat, right? They were defeated by the Babylonians, and the people were sent away into exile. The key people, the, the elite of the people were sent away into exile. The people who were the daily workers, they're left behind, right? So everybody's feeling this exile. And they don't know what to do with it, right? They're just, they're just crushed. What do we do with this? And it's not just that they were sent away. It's that they were sent away from their homes, but they were sent away from God because their religious life centered around the temple and around the feeling that the temple was the place where God was because God is amongst us because we were told in God's promise to Abraham that we were God's chosen people. And number one, how could this have happened to us? And number two, how could this have happened to God? What are we going to do with it? So there was a lot of unhappiness. And oh, by the way, when they got exiled, they got sent from Jerusalem to Babylon so they had 750 miles of walking to think about this, right? And that's a long time that you get to think about it on that way. As a consequence, we find in the scriptures a lot of lament. Now, these are our passages, whether it's in the Psalms, and the Psalms are a great source of the laments, that, that really express either the anguish and the abandonment that the community feels and maybe there's some cohesion that happens when the community expresses the community anguish, but also individuals. And, you know, I, I was thinking this morning as Dog and I were out walking, that maybe a later lesson would be to really look at kind of the form of what do these laments take, right? Because they all seem to go through a common thing that we'll touch on a little bit. But the laments show up over and over. And over. There's a whole book called Lamentations, right? Um, so we look at these and we see things like in the first part of Lamentations where it says, how lonely sits the city that was once full of people. 
how like a widow she's become. She that was great among the nations, she that was a princess among the provinces has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They've become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She now lives among the nations and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Now, this is very much talking about the fate of the nation. But it's also the way that people were feeling about their fate. Their, that as we look at it, you know, we look at it as, as our city, our nation, our world, our church. She sits empty. Nobody comes. We can't come. What do we do with that? We feel like we're being pressed down on all sides. So the imagery of these laments doesn't have to go back to an exact historical consequence to have meaning. Right. If all we said was, yes, this is how, how the nation of Israel, how Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, is feeling after they've been exiled, it doesn't say anything to me. Well, that's missing it. It really does. These help us to, to understand and give names to what is it that we feel so that, that we can kind of keep going. And so by the waters of Babylon, you know, they sat down. And, and as I was showing my wife these slides, she's like, really, you're going to use this one? But it was kind of too late, right? I mean, the focal point of the, the view was just not what I was expecting. But by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. How do we do those things that we used to do that made us who we are, right? And I think this is a question that we have to wrestle with as, as members of Roswell Church, as Christians, as a CUC Sunday School class. How do, we, how do we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How do we go about worshiping on the one hand, but living out that charge to, to live out the great commission and go and share Christ's love with, with the nations. And not just, I think we'll come to this again, not just to, but with the people around us, the people amongst our group, the people where we can't go. I mean, this is the big question. Now, if I were doing a longer lesson about the laments, I would, I would look more hard at this particular Psalm because this is an example of what they call an imprecatory Psalm where it not only has a communal lament, but if you keep going in verses seven, eight, nine, it then says, and boy, let me tell you, we'll be happy when you slap down and crush the heads of the babies of our, of our tormentors, right? And that just wasn't quite as hopeful, so I left that out. But um, 
But we feel those things. We feel those things. The question, though, that I want to look at is how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? What do we do? Now, the nice thing about the laments, funny th word to say, the nice thing about the laments is that they not only help us to identify those feelings, but they help us to move beyond them, to move past them. When we look again at Lamentations, right, it says, the thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. I'm, I'm, I can't be in worship. I can't be with my friends. I can't be with my community. My soul continuously thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Does that mean that we sit on our hands? No. We wait like a server waits, ready to go and do whatever is necessary. Did you ever realize that the great hymn, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, that's a huge inspiration, picks its, its central verse from the middle of Lamentations? That's kind of an interesting thing, right? It's kind of an interesting thing. Now, side note, let's go back to the, Judah. Judah was chased out. Judah was in exile. Judah was, was run out. What are they going to do? Their, their place of worship, their place of pilgrimage, if you will, was the temple. Now, within Judaism, from the time of Abraham going forward, the core, and today even, the core of that, that community life was in the family, the tight family, and the family worship, and the family time of prayer, and the, based in, in a, a strong family, and the families within a strong community. And the temple was a place of pilgrimage for specific celebrations. It wasn't like you go to the temple every, every, every Shabbat for, for services, because by and large, those services were a later thing. During this time of diaspora, beginning around the exile, in both out, but also in Israel, there began to be an effort to, to make places to set aside for the communities in those places to come together communally for prayer. And, and they called these Bet Knesset in Hebrew, but also synagogos in Greek. And where does that word take us? It takes us to synagogue. It wasn't until Ezra rebuilt the second temple that they really formalized this idea of a communal service outside of temple worship, right? And then after um, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans, this became even more important, right? Because everybody was cast out of Jerusalem at that point. But the focus was first on the family, but then also on this communal uh, uh, life. Now, the other interesting thing was when a community of Jewish people found themselves in a place and began to form a community, setting up a synagogue was not the first priority. First and foremost was we need a, a mikvah, a place for, for ritual, right? 
those rituals that that we do to make us part of this community to identify ourselves and and that's a simple thing to do then and this all comes from chabad they said the next thing that's important is to set up a school for the children, a Jewish school, a Hebrew school, and then a charitable outreach to the people around them, not just inside the community, but outside the community. And then when you get all settled, then let's see about a place. Let's see about – because we can get together to pray in lots of ways, like this, like this. So part of all of this came about because – I'm a huge Ken Meadema fan, and and he posted on his Facebook um, a virtual choir uh, of Come Build a Church, which I really think fits into what we need to do today. So I'm going to share that with you, and then we'll talk some more.
that's one of my very favorite songs and i was so glad that that ken Meadema put that together as a as a a, a virtual choir or at least at st luke's in in houston did so one of the things that that really says to me is that our call is to come build a church is to to be where we are right we're in this place we're called to be god's church to be god's people to to do god's work wherever we are and to share the love of christ in whatever way we can wherever we are so jeremiah the author of lamentations the crying prophet the weeping prophet also has a really strong point to this so jeremiah sent a letter from jerusalem he remained behind in jerusalem at the time of the exile but he sent a letter to the to the people of judah in exile in babylon and he said thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel to all the exiles whom i have sent into exile from jerusalem to babylon Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And to me, that, that very much is saying that, that our task is not, to, is not to give up, right, and not work to fix the problems that we have, but also to continue being God's people here, to do those things we would do were we not in this situation. The task is don't just sit there. It's go about life. Live life with God where you are. Live your life in Christ be part of the kingdom where you are and that's the picture that we see in jesus right that's the picture that he taught us is to go and be with those people all around not with the people standing by the side pointing fingers not by the people walking past and seeing people in difficult situations and not doing anything it's to be there with them look around this room we, we listed our prayer concerns right but look around this room and see who's missing right how can we reach out to them within our community of this class? Look around Roswell Church. Well, as much as you can, that's the thing. Who are the people that you know have not been able to virtually attend? What about those people that you saw on Sunday mornings in the sanctuary but didn't know their names, who, who you knew were just kind of casual attenders? What are they doing? How can we reach out to them and make sure that they continue to feel a connection and not an abandonment by Christ, that they don't feel that the church has abandoned them, right? Who's missing? Who's missing? Who's missing, not just of our known number, but who's missing that wasn't there to start with, right? Our church is, again, pretty homogenous. What about those people in our neighborhood that that are different than us what about all those people who live nearby the church in in situations that that we don't experience you know there's lots of hispanic folks and in, in not so much now that the the apartments are gone but but all around us there are people who are lower income 
they're not connected with our church. Maybe they're not connected. With, how do we reach out? How do we reach out and not minister to? What are we going to do about it? What are we going to? We're not helpless. We're not helpless here. We don't have all of the same tools that we had when we were in the room together. We don't have all the same tools that we had when we were 40 years younger, right? But we've got a lot of things. And we, we need to figure out how to go about it. How can we be church to each other? How can we be church? And, and this class is a great example of being church, right? Y'all look out for each other. Y'all look out for people around our community. Y'all look out for people in our community. But how can we take that throughout Roswell Church? I know there's a lot of Sunday school classes who just aren't meeting, you know? And folks for whom Sunday school was a huge part of their connection are not able and and a live stream is just not the same to them they need that connection of seeing the people that they know and love right that that they just haven't felt able right to do that how can we help them how do we be community how do we be church to those people outside of our building outside of roswell church but more importantly how do we be church with them I'm a huge proponent of things like like our our work with the lunches and our work with the the up the food pantry that we're we're starting up. But we have to make it so that these interactions are not two that they're with that we join together that we invite the people who who participate to who receive to be part of it. Y'all might remember and this is this is kind of freelancing. Y'all might remember a, a series of videos that we did as a church with Mike around um, generous giving. That that there was a family and they had a gardener named Ray that led them into a whole situation. Those videos, we might have just kind of passed through them in Sunday school or in church. They are an outstanding set of videos, and in one of them the people who who give to this food pantry the the leaders of the food pantry said you know let's have our banquet and invite the people who come to the food pantry and for a lot of people they got offended and left and and it was actually a hard thing to step in with with the people who came the one guy comes in and he looks around and he goes to leave because he says, I, I don't see a, a place card with my name on it. And, and the main character goes, you know, you're right. And he figured out that even though they were trying really hard to include and embrace those people, they weren't getting their head in the way that those people were lamenting, the way they were experiencing their situation so that they could feel together as a community, right? So how can we be community with? Now, Pearls Before Swine is one of my favorite comics. Pig catches a ride with the magic fairy Mary. And, he, and the fairy says, what do you need? And he says, I need you to fix the whole world, the virus, the racism, the planet, the hungry. That's often how we approach God, as if God were a magic fairy, right? Fix, fix, fix. And Mary says, okay, great, just one problem. I don't exist. 
Now, I don't see that as somebody saying God doesn't exist. I see that as saying God's not the magic fairy Mary who's going to wave a wand because then she says, but you know, you do. And Pig has a moment of epiphany and runs off and begins to work towards making that, that, and he becomes his own magic fairy to take and share those gifts. And I think that's, that's the big piece. The key is for us in our living rooms, out on our decks, on Zoom, need to find ways so that we can say, come, let's build a church and let's be like pig. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we do thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this class and the love that this class shares with each other, this love that this class shares out into the community. Help us to grow that. Help us to figure out as a community, as a church, as a class, as your people, how we can build this church, how we can take our human frailties and our flesh and bone, and how we can take and share your love with all of God's children, how we can then continue to live out what you've challenged us to do, to go to not just Jerusalem and Judea, but to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, sharing your word and baptizing in your name. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.